unto him who loved us and washed us in his blood, forgiving us our sins and making us kings and priests to live together with him in his kingdom. To him be glory in the church. Amen. The word of God chosen for our meditation is the reading of the gospel lesson from Matthew chapter 5. And of course, that's an interpretation of the word of Moses that you heard as the Old Testament reading. I suppose uh, you were a little surprised uh, at the brevity of that uh, Old Testament lesson. Maybe we could be just as brief in our message today. But that's not going to happen because uh, we have this situation where Moses spoke in the Old Testament, but God has spoken in Matthew chapter 5. And what he says enlarges, enhances, perhaps, what Moses did when he said, Thou shalt not kill. And if that were it, we might have many sitting here today thinking, Well, message doesn't really apply to me. I've never killed anyone. But then Jesus comes along with his word and he talks about this killing in a little different manner. That it is more involved than just taking a knife or gun and ending the life of someone as if that's the extent of murder. Even Luther picked up on this when he wrote the Catechism and he wrote a meaning to this commandment that says, Thou shalt not kill. And what does this mean? We should fear and love God that we may not hurt nor harm our neighbor in his body, but help and befriend him in every bodily need. So we get into the Lutheran doctrine of the two kingdoms. Maybe you've heard about it. There's the kingdom of the right, and there's the kingdom of the left. Or to put it another way, there's the spiritual, and there's the civil. In the spiritual kingdom, God sends to us the institution of the church, and the church nurtures us in the word. In the family situation, God sends to us parents who are responsible for the word and instruction in the home. In the civil realm, we have the institution according to the Lord of the government. It's not a very popular term today, I suppose, but nevertheless, the government has been instituted by God 
to serve the people, to provide the laws, the rules, and so forth by which we live and by which we can serve the government. There's a spiritual meaning to this commandment that the Lord pointed out in Matthew chapter 5. We are not to kill our neighbor with our hand, our heart, our mouth, our signs, our gestures, nor are we to neglect to help our neighbor in his need. This is all covered in this commandment. We are to provide counsel and aid. I can illustrate this best, I suppose, by maybe having you find yourself in this situation. We want to, we're talking about this matter of killing, killing people with words, with actions, and with our mouth and lips. And there was this person, I don't, I don't like to use the word lady, or I suppose I could use the word gentleman or man, this lady was driving down the road and someone cut in front of her. And what's the reaction? It's road rage. And she's got her hand out the window and waving at the guy ahead of her and crying out at him and yelling at him and uh, cursing, giving him a signal of some kind that we're all familiar with. And all of a sudden, behind her police car, pulls her over and tells her to get out of the car, puts the handcuffs on her, puts her in his vehicle, and takes her to jail. And she's asking, well, why, why? Well... He says, it's obviously you were driving a stolen car. I looked at the bumper sticker and it says, go to church every Sunday. In God we trust. All those familiar slogans. And I said, you, you weren't the right driver for that car. It certainly was a stolen car. Lesson learned, I suppose. The commandment with our mouth, with our hands, with our heart, with our signs, with our gestures. There's a guide here. It says, Thou shalt not kill. There's a need for this commandment, obviously because we are among the sinners. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is not one who does good and sins not. 
And so we fail and we fall. There are many illustrations today as to the mentality that is too prevalent in the minds of uh, people. Interesting that we were reminded on the screen this morning to pray for the persecuted church. I notice that as I go around and preach, there's always prayers for the persecuted. It's pretty impersonal until you meet the person who has given their life for the sake of Christ. When we pray for the persecuted church, I pray for people by name. I know them. They are among the people the Lutheran Heritage Foundation serves. I could tell you the story of many, but this morning I'd like to tell you the story of Mohammed Gurhan. Mohammed Gurhan is a Somali. Muslim he was. Learned a catechism in one of our seminars. Became a Christian, highly educated, knew English very well. And we selected him to be trained as a translator in the Somali language. He became a translator in our compound in Nairobi, Kenya, and it wasn't long he was discovered to have been a, among those who converted from Islam to Lutheranism. He was persecuted. Seven members of his family were kidnapped. The attempt was to take them back to Somalia, but police intercepted and they were rescued. His children had to be taken to school under guard. Second time they were kidnapped, he rescued the four older children. The three younger ones are back in Somalia today. And then the court of Islam put out an edict for two men, one by the name of Muhammad Gurhan, the other the name Aziz, both converted to Lutheranism, were involved in our work in Nairobi, Kenya. This edict from the Islam court said anyone finding them should kill them and the merciful Allah would reward them. Muhammad Gurhan was forced to immigrate, immigrate to Amsterdam, Holland. Muhammad Gurhan had a mission in life, as he told me. My mission is to become a Lutheran pastor and to officially start the Somali Lutheran Church. But that's not all he said. He, he continued, 
but then they can kill me because I know they will kill me. We wanted Muhammad to go to the seminary in Fort Wayne to become a Lutheran pastor. Because of immigration rules in Amsterdam, he was not able to leave the country for two years. And to make a long story short, we sent him to the Westfield House in Cambridge, England, which has a program in connection with the seminary in Fort Wayne. And to make the story even shorter, he today is a Lutheran pastor, just ordained months ago. In high demand, in Lutheran circles globally because of his prominence and his intellectual capability and knowledge of Islam. Persecuted, but serving. He's already started several churches in the area of Ethiopia where the Somali people immigrate to. It has an impact, I believe, an implication to what we're talking about today in terms of the fifth commandment. What happens here? What's our purpose in all this? How do we help? Well, the Lord, in his wisdom and in his direction, has asked us to put a hedge around the faithful, to kind of put them in a place of protection. And he did this by giving us the fifth commandment. This helps us protect from evil and those who would do harm. So should we keep this message to ourselves? If we know how we can provide a hedge, a protective bridge or building, then we should do this in terms of bringing people the word. The word in their own language. We need to help people avoid the whole matter of greed, which leads to strange things, to keep them from harboring hate. We need to provide the word so that we do not envy, which oftentimes leads to killing with words and our mouth over against our neighbor because he has more than I do. This is the hedge 
that the Lord has provided you in the fifth commandment and as Jesus expounded upon that fifth commandment in the word today. Man's inhumanity to man is rampant in our society and in our world. Not too long ago, a special monument was built in Kiev, Ukraine. I use it as a kind of an example as to what greed and envy and hate harbors. This memorial is built in the form of a candle, stands 60 feet high on the banks overlooking the Napir River in Kiev, Ukraine. And this bishop of the Ukrainian Lutheran Church, shortly after that was built, asked me if I'd like to see a new structure in the city. And we went to the monument. We walked up the sidewalk past a couple angels that had bowed down position. And he explained that those were the weeping angels. They were weeping for the children who had died in a forced starvation placed upon the people by the government in 1932 and 1933. We walked down the steps into the memorial in this circle form and shown on the wall on screens all around were pictures of people dying in the forced starvation. And there were samples of machinery and so forth that were prevalent in that era. And then every once in a while, there was a podium like this. And on each of those podiums, there was a large book. And when you looked at the book, there were nothing but names. These were the names of the people who died in that forced starvation. And it's ironic that if you want confirmation that this really happened, you can talk to Mrs. Martell in Bozeman, Montana, because she lived there at the time. And she was one who escaped after losing one of her children to that starvation, ran for miles to get out of that situation, went back out of that monument and was walking back down the sidewalk and I hadn't noticed it when I walked in, but there was a statue right there on the sidewalk. The statue 
of a young girl. Probably at that time the age of my own granddaughter. Famished, obviously, for lack of food. You could tell it. Skin and bones. And I noticed in her hand she was holding five heads of wheat. And I asked the bishop, well, what's that all about? And he says, that's the law of the five. Anyone found with more than five heads of wheat would be killed. And Mrs. Martell told me she remembered the piles of wheat as high as a house guarded by communist soldiers. This could not be used to feed the starving, but to produce the vodka. The inhumanity to man. And we have it. How many babies are lost through abortion? And our society says, that's okay. The law says it's okay. But you heard today, the law says it's not okay. Thou shalt not kill. And for those who have aborted, the word of God today was for you. In the confession and the absolution, we find what our deepest need is, the forgiveness of sins. Yes, thou shalt not kill. The fence, the protection for us in our society is built around this word of God, thou shalt not kill. It's for our benefit. And that's the word we want to share with people around the world. In the Bible class this morning, we heard from the living water. And we know that Jesus said the water that he provides will be an eternal quencher. It will never thirst who have this living water. And it comes not just from a well that's dug in the ground, but it comes from books which tell people about the living, loving Lord. I have in my hands here one of 85 catechisms that the Lutheran Heritage Foundation has published. This is a recent publication. This is a language spoken by Iranians and Afghanistani people. You've maybe been to Germany 
And you've noticed that those German church, Lutheran churches, have all been pretty much empty. This book is really needed now because the Lutheran churches of Germany are filling up 700, 900 people in a worship service. It's not uncommon in Wittenberg in Berlin where Gottfried Martin serves. 90% of the people are Iranians. In their hand, they now have the catechism in their own language. And they are being instructed in the Lutheran faith. If you want a benefit of the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, this is it. You'll not read about it any place. But you're hearing about it today. Because this is what Luther did. When he took the Bible that was available in Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, and he put it into the heart language of the people in German. So we are doing with the catechism in the heart language of the Iranians and the Afghanistani people. Or last Sunday, I was at a church in Thornton that has a mission team that goes often to Cambodia. And um, this is the Cambodian Lutheran hymnal in the Khmer language, the language of Cambodia. Child's Garden of Bible Stories, very popular children's books. 25 different editions of this have been printed. And I want the Living Waters team that's talking about going to um, place another well to take with them, perhaps, the living word in the Child's Garden of Bible Story Spanish edition that's coming out at the end of this month. Spanish edition highly sought in the Americas. Or the catechism, another one, in the Khmer language of Cambodia. Or a catechism that's very much needed among the growing population of Muslims in our country, the catechism in Arabic. The large catechism in the Khmer language of Cambodia. And, well, I'm not going to go through every book because that would require 856 books. That's the number that we have published in 105 languages in 100 countries of our world. The most popular book that we've published thus far is the Spanish Bible that has in the front of it Luther's small catechism requested by our missionaries in Panama, now being used in many places in the United States and Central South America. Over 100,000 copies of this have been printed, and at the end of this year we will go into our fifth printing of this particular volume because of its high demand talked to the chaplains in the prisons of our country, 
And some of them are grateful for this book because the rule is, the commandment is, only book you can use is the Bible. And they tell us when they take the Bible into the prison, they have in it Luther's small catechism for instruction. And finally, this larger volume happens to be the book of Concord in the Amharic language of Ethiopia. Did you know that the Lutheran church in Ethiopia is now, as of last year, the largest Lutheran church in the world? It has seen spectacular growth, and we have had the privilege to be in a seminar meeting with 6,000 Lutheran pastors distributing the Book of Concord, which they held in their hands for the first time as Lutherans. Twelve editions, and probably a half a dozen more during this 500th anniversary year of the Reformation and the 25th anniversary year of the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. The hedge, the protective element, thou shalt not kill. Wasn't that long ago that both my father and mother died, relatively short time from each other, my father died in February and my mother died in July. Came time to break up the family farm home in rural Minnesota where I grew up. Each member of the family was invited to take an item from the home as a keepsake before the auction was held. The item that I chose didn't take a truck or trailer to haul it off, it was just a little item. A plaque that hung on the family farm home for 62 years of my parents' marriage. It now hangs in my office. But before I hung it there, I took it to a printer and asked him, could you reproduce this in a bookmark form? And this bookmark today, with the statement, Jesus never fails, is seen all over the world. Because the statement is true. And it's especially true for us today <clears throat> as we consider the fifth commandment. We know that we have failed in this regard. We know that we have used the bad term. We know that we have used our mouth in the wrong way. And we heard the pastor this morning give us the absolution. that Jesus dealt with our deepest need. Our friends fail us. The things in which we put our hope fail us. And our health fails us. But there is one who did not fail us. God sent his son Jesus to be your savior, to free you from your sins, to redeem you and to buy you back. 
He did this by sending his son, Jesus, to the cross of Calvary. And there he shed his blood so that you and I could have the assurance of his unfailing love. He met our deepest need, the forgiveness of sins. And I ask you this morning, if he is able to meet your deepest need, and you have other needs, you can be sure that he can meet those needs as well. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in the one true faith unto life eternal. Amen.